Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me You'll be training for you Episode 22 Beyond Gun Control From School Gardens to Garden Schools Originally published June 3rd, 2022 I'm going to share my thoughts on the more timely than ever issue of active shooters and most um, most disturbingly active shooters who are attacking vulnerable, soft target, target-rich environments that are our schools. And, um, yeah, this has been, of late, I have been synthesizing a lot of different perspectives and data and research and whatnot, and um, learning a lot of things that I, that were somewhat more marginal facts about about this issue of um, gun policy, gun Second Amendment, gun policy, gun laws, um, the uh, marketing strategies of manufacturers and whatnot. So I'm I'm very much um, in a personally I'm, I'm in a position where I feel like there's a lot more um, cultural mediation, cultural peacemaking <clears throat> that has to happen, and that's what I'm going to try to do here with my. Um, this platform is I'm going to do that cultural peacemaking and do that synthesis because there's a lot of input that that I process that I wouldn't ask anyone else to dare to process Um, and a lot of that comes from having having an interest in learning from elite special forces, military operators from various um, branches of the military and and really as my own um, leader as an anarchist living within a nation state I am an. I consider myself the my, an autonomous, sovereign individual, and I'm going to be. And I'm going to lead myself, and I'm going to be very judicious about any interactions I have with any institutions, any individuals, any enterprises from the public and private sector. And I'm going to study the domestic and foreign threats. Um, the way that uh, honestly politicians do so I feel like I 
take the responsibility to be a politician of my own reality. And in that endeavor, I have all wings within me. I have voices within me that are conservative, that are liberal, that are more left-leaning, more right-leaning, and, and beyond in different dimensions that aren't even accounted for in modern politics. And so, but the point is, to be, to be a, an autonomous um, politician of one, the prudent thing to do is to have a very balanced um, panel of, um, of uh, individuals, of um, news sources, etc., so that you can, you can have basically your own daily briefings and have your own curated filtering of content to where I feel like now, where I'm at now at this point in my life, I feel the most well-rounded that I've ever been. I feel far less um, susceptible to groupthink and far less um, dogmatic in my biases. And I feel like there's a lot of um, backfilling I had to do and I had to really do some some ideological yoga to stretch to get to the point where I could really dare to um to embrace uh what would have seemed really oppositional to me in earlier phases in my my political development but you know the the uh the truth really it's not one dimensional it's not black and white so um it's always very much a um a synthesis of of things so it takes peacemaking it takes mediation skills and whatnot to um to really integrate that stuff so where i'm coming from now is not it's not going to be embraced by either orthodox leftist or rightist perspective my take on current events is um is centered in what i call tactical permaculture and what um what I have been developing to the, towards that end as a framework um, integrating a what's the, what, the, the best way to put it is a um, well a mature militancy and a, and a mature ecology versus an immature militancy which is where I came from which was in wannabe guerrilla leftist movements that really didn't have the funding, the training, the discipline, the commitment to actually last and actually be more than just um, a fad, basically, a a phase that, that young people grow out of when they get real jobs and have to build families and go into debt and all that stuff. Um... And so I feel like I came from very immature militancy and now as I'm maturing, what I consider to be a mature militancy is more of the um, understanding national security and being a team player with the spirit of of what I'm calling a natural national security, but being a team player with with national security um, and really growing up and realizing 
whatever your gripes and grievances are with with the United States, if you are a citizen of this country, you have a lot of rights, privileges, responsibilities to be grateful for, to, to fight for, to, uh, to maintain, and also most importantly, you could call it a duty, an obligation, an honor, you know, a, um, a, an opportunity, but, but most importantly, it's the external and internal threats that are violent in nature, that are, that are destructive in nature, harmful to people, um, where really we need to set aside our differences and, and be on the same page with defense. So that's why I say, I mean, there's a lot of things that the U.S. military has done under whatever administration, under whatever operation, whatever agenda, whatever the geopolitics du jour have been. Um, but I, I feel like it's mature to have a have an ability to say, I can disagree with an administration. I can disagree with um, with an operation, or even a war, or even many wars, and I can still say that I believe in the spirit of national security, the spirit of of, of defense, and so I take that to a level of defending the natural resources of of the U.S., which there isn't a technically there isn't. You know, you could call it the EPA, some, to some extent Department of Energy, to some extent the Department of Agriculture. There's so much corruption, I don't think I'm going to apply myself to those, to those entities. Um, but if there was a, a permaculture department or a department that actually was thinking about the integrity of the really per, from a, with the permaculture level of um of sophistication and, and ecological maturity saying like yeah there's certain things that we cannot allow to get depleted we cannot continue to produce these forms of toxic chemicals there is no tolerable amount and it would be a much stricter policy in regards to forestry and soil um degradation and <laughs> Yeah, if there was a if there was a, 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 a if there was a um, a national security level of um, sophistication with an understanding of what permaculture has to offer as a way to really bolster the defensibility of a nation and the profitability and productivity, if if you want to get down to that to those metrics, yeah, if you have the ability to control policy and you were to with the stroke of a pen, basically, I mean, this isn't my place and I don't, I'm my own, I, I did this as my own leader, my own executor, my own executive, if you will, to say, I'm going to ban moratorium on lawns. You, If you're going to use water, you have to be growing food with that water <laughs> or, or growing feed for animals that you're that you, livestock that you're homesteading with but basically no more ornamental fucking anything in this crisis of a drought and probably ever again because it was totally absurd to begin with so for example that's why i say you could have 
a mature militancy that is about national defense and you can have a mature ecology that's basically the wisdom of permaculture which i think a great way to put it is people care or earth care people care and future care that's the easiest way to start the conversation uh, taking responsibility for survival of yourself and extend that to national security survival of the nation and doing it in a way that is ecologically um, a lot more ecologically correct than where we're at now and so where this tactical permaculture maturity of my own political evolution applies to this moment in a policy debate over gun control and school shootings this this is where a tactical permaculture um like really really dare to imagine that this could be taken very seriously um as a as a um well i'm not gonna call it like a third like a third party i'm not gonna call it like um like some sort of uh, uh, even a political organization, but just a mindset, really. A mindset that, like, um, you see various forms of, um, of forward thinking. It's not even that, it's not even that radical. I, I mean, the, the, um, you can you can witness in, in a lifetime the integration of of um of conservation ethics entering into policy and then climate change and climate change policy going from very fringe to very at least it's it's whether the policies have teeth at least they have to be discussed so you know there could be a day when when um i mean i'm not going to lobby over this term but i think that there the permaculture movement is pretty big it's pretty well established i don't think it i mean it's obviously it's obviously underfunded compared to a lot of other movements um and I think definitely it is leaning towards the utopian pacifist sort of really being in denial about the need to, to, to have a spine and to, to really engage with those um, professionals of the military who are going to help you understand all kinds of logistics all kinds of geopolitics all kinds of um, tactical and strategic concerns that make it make the utopian fantasy of, of a permaculture future actually make that defensible like oh that's great you want to be sustainable well how are you going to defend that sustainability while you build it and once you have it you can't you can't unfortunately be negligent in that regard and so 
I would hope that uh, I don't know who will find this podcast episode. I don't know when they will find it, but I do feel like some of the things I'm about to say maybe won't be said otherwise if I don't say them. And so I'm going to... I'm going to... Um, draw upon my experience and my a sort of um, to the extent that I that I can put on the hat of advising and consulting on this school shooting matter this is what I will say these are my qualifications to have anything to say about this situation one I went to public school so I have all of my experiences to draw upon if this was in a community design charrette where we're going to get together and say how do we how do we mitigate this threat and how do we create more peace in our communities that's sustainable and I'm going to say well I went to public school I have my own experiences in that regard to draw from and then during the peak of my professional permaculture design career I was hired to install school gardens and I worked with very experienced and sophisticated crews, consulted with the best in the industry, and had I stayed in that career path, we would have we would have been able to have a lot more proje- portfolio projects to speak of where these implementations that I'm going to share would be flourishing. I had a... There was a shift in my career path, so I'm only going to be able to reference the the work of a, of an of a chapter of my life that's already about 10 years old but to me those were some of the most meaningful projects to be a part of and there was also during that time the the fact that I was a quasi co-parenting stepfather and I do have memories of driving my quasi stepchild to school and there was no at that time sense in my mind of a of a ever increasing threat of their safety and an ever increasing need to redesign the perimeter and the and and the physical security considerations of where they were of that school that they were that they were being dropped off at we're at a point now where i think 
anybody's take is worth considering because after listening to what the parents, some of the parents are saying, survivors, even children survivors speaking, I think we owe it to all of those victims of the recent events and and all the victims before those events to say finally we need to drop everything and no more business as usual and we got to call time out on everything and um you know metaphorically speaking of course i'm not talking about general strike per se i'm talking about if it were me, which it's not, because I'm not responsible for any children, and I and if I was, and they were my own, they would never, as one of my mentors says, I would never outsource the physical the physical security or first response for my children to the state to any institution to any other individuals and so I say I say that to say I'm, I'm speaking from a perspective where I have the privilege to for this for this not to be a um, an immediate issue for me personally but for every parent whose child goes to any form of a school off-site where, they, where the parent is no longer capable of being their bodyguard as, they, as we as mammals are designed to do. When I say it's, time, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a time out, I could only imagine feeling a sense that okay until until there is a massive re restructuring redesign of this whole this whole system and all of these and all this infrastructure there is no way there's no way I'm going to I mean the writing would be on the walls to say this is time to to go back to the land this is time to homeschool and there's no way there's no way that um, that you could have all these warnings and then continue to just pray and let things be what they are. And you could always say, well, that's only the privileged people who can afford to who can afford to make a, a, a drastic pivot away from their job, their whatever the business as usual is. But I don't, yeah, I don't want to be putting pressure or trying to give advice to anyone, but I will say if it were me, and I'm glad it's not, but if it were, I would say, okay, we're out of here the the state has proved itself incompetent to protect the most precious and vital element of the entire of of 
the entire nation, the future of the nation, the children of the nation, who, whose law-abiding parents are compelled to comply with the state's mandates for how the parents shall surrender custody of of the children to the the duty of care of the state and its agents for however many hours a week, however many months a year. And I would say at this point, everyone I can I can only imagine that everyone is questioning this and parents with children in the school system are questioning it far more than I am right now. But I strongly doubt, I seriously strongly doubt that there will be drastic changes to the design of the security and logistics and infrastructure of of the school system. And I would strongly imagine that the the those who would rather attack the symptoms than the problems are going to they're going to be very very shallow in their approach to this problem and that's all I'm going to say right now about the gun issue because I think it's um it's not a debate that I want to get trapped in I don't think that that is the issue. I think the issue is is more complex and it's deeper and that's where I want to that's that's where I want to apply a permaculture design solution. And so with that said, I hope that you would understand that um I'm approaching this moment with a sense of urgency and a sense of and a sense of helplessness and powerlessness knowing that um all I can offer right now is is words and I wish that um I wish I had more more resources to share I wish I had more more permitted turnkey permaculture designs that could be implemented by municipalities and districts and whatnot this is unfortunately is very hypothetical high level just sort of um, theoretical hopefully this will be one drop in a bucket of many other folks who will actually contribute to this um, to this line of thinking so yeah, I've got some notes here that I want to um, be somewhat systematic in how I move forward. That was the preface to sort of set the the vibe and the the emotional and um, and sort of um, intellectual vibe. So, first concept I want to address is the concept of mimetics and 
I would assume by now most people in the at this stage of the evolution of the internet just the word memes which to me is um it's a very interesting kind of I don't want to call it a distortion or bastardization it's a, it's a very interesting kind of unexpected adaptation of meme theory but that but that with a lot of the way that popular usage of formerly academic sort of terms it's always a, a bit disjointed so but it is a good point of reference so if if you've never studied or thought about mimetics as a, as a social science um, area of study and research um, and your only point of reference is the idea of oh a meme yeah well what makes that jpeg or that gif a meme it's that people copy it and people and it, and it mutates people adjust it they they add their they <laughs> they make it their own they adapt it they take that fundamental unit and then they sh- and they they mutate it so that is a good starting point to 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 extrapolate from that the the more sophisticated theory around what memetics are and basically it's a, a play on words adapting genetics and the idea that the smallest unit of evolution biology is a gene which can be which can mutate over time and it can be compete with other genes it can it can express in different circumstances so that so if you imagine what would be the idea is what is the what is a cultural form of what is a cultural equivalent to genetic evolution a cultural genome and um by extension I'm not quoting exact uh academic language this is just from my references and studies but basically the idea is what's the smallest unit of cultural evolution and it isn't a jpeg it it isn't only a jpeg or a gif a jpeg or a gif is is a symbolic representation of that that unit of culture but the idea is really every idea the idea is that every idea is a meme sequence or an, an an isolated meme it could be new it could be old it could have been iterated upon it could be um weaponized it could be it could have all sorts of um features associated with it it can be in all sorts of contexts but it can be isolated it can be sort of theoretically um studied and so another simple word for it is just trends you know if if something is something is can be studied as a trend then it's it's like a a meme sequence a meme wave the 80s music was was a whole cluster of memes ideas about fashion ideas about synthesizers and 
and themes and whatnot. So for studying culture and trying to put culture in a lab and really isolate and study its its units, it's there there is no such thing as a physical it's not like a particle, it's not like an atomic particle. A meme is 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 basically a symbolic notion. So it's a little bit nebulous, but what gives it handles is to say if we try to put some cultural unit in some sort of box and say this is when it started, this is when it kind of this is like the curve of the waveform we can say that it started here this fashion trend started around this time it morphed into these permutations and then it completely faded out or it or it or it was out competed by a new meme and then it was sort of co-opted into a into another meme complex and you could follow that through fashion you could follow that through language it's a very interesting study but but that's how you would be able to sort of get that aha moment of where something came from and whatnot. So for me, this issue, I look at active shooters and school shootings from a mimetic perspective. And and I, and I really have to, to reference the... the spirit of um, Oliver Stone with uh, natural born killers and the critique of the mass media basically making a mimetic vat of the cult of violence, cultures of violence, and really indulging in and profiting from this morbid fascination with with evil and 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 those who um who engage in it for whatever reason so it's a very paradoxical phenomenon that once you have the active shooter meme once you have the pattern of school shootings then you have to you have to then from a social science perspective you have to then you're you're compelled then to ask yourself does the idea that grows in the mind of an evil twisted demented psychopathic sociopathic individual or or group of individuals does that idea autonomously emerge uninfluenced by in a vacuum of other ideas of other memes or is it propagated and spread and therefore its point of origin is from some vector of that meme that isn't that is an important question and that unfortunately it's a very paradoxical situation because 
of the way of how interconnected we are across the world in, in basically virtually real time with the internet and that idea from natural born killers the idea of like a, a, a media criminal celebrity the sort of and 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 drawing from what uh, what the the killer of um, John Lennon was quoted as saying that he he was haunted by what he called nobodiness, and that's a very terrifying to me. That's always haunted me that idea that an, a person's sense of disconnection and alienation. And in his own words, he called it nobodiness. That idea that that you could achieve, you could you could harvest attention through criminality, given the this sort of um, attention vortex that 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 now more than even the the, the so-called mass media, now the the social media. It becomes this sort of um, very perversely incentivized slippery slope of of scratching that nobodiness itch, and that's terrifying. And the idea that, from a mimetic analyzing this issue from a mimetic perspective, it makes me think. This is a very scary time because once you, once, once that cat is out of the bag, for lack of a, basically that, that, once that, once this notion is embedded in the zeitgeist and then propagated in this sort of meme vector soup that is all of the, just the whole internet basically not not pointing fingers at any given platform because there's all kinds of even dark web and sort of um, non-dominant platforms basically the whole internet is a vector soup for mimetic replication and once one of these malicious meme sequences gets established and takes hold then it then it it can grow it can propagate and grow into other people's sick minds unfortunately so that's why i say it's bigger than just guns it's bigger than It's bigger than just video games, just the internet. I will get into some of that stuff in a bit, but I want to I want to really like as a meditation help anyone listening to this understand that we used to say things like who put you up to this? Or where could you possibly have gotten this idea from? And now 
the the um it's sad to say it's the evil shadow of monkey see monkey do and that's that's terrifying and that means that it's i mean so the reason why do i even bother with this crude introduction to mimetics i bother because that means that it is it's it's metastasized as a disease and it, it's it can't be un it can't it can't fully be eradicated without some it cannot be it can't be simply eradicated it cannot be deleted from from cultural memory from consciousness the meme is established it will persist as a meme whether or not that meme gets quarantined and neutralized is going to be where we're going to get to for further down on this but that's understanding what what we're up against it's not an individual mental health issue it is a it is the propagation of a lethal meme sequence that's looking for hosts that will infiltrate the mind of a vulnerable host and it will it will it will install itself as a mimetic sequence into that person's consciousness and jack into their nervous system their reward system etc and this is where it gets very nasty when you get into the implications of who might be profiting from fertilizing those twisted minds and i'm not going to um yeah i'm not going to name names here but when i i i would have been very much on on a um leaning towards the um the, the orthodox second amendment movement kind of rhetoric guns don't kill people people kill people it's a mental health issue when guns are outlawed only outlaws will have guns yeah unfortunately i was rudely awakened that it's really not that benign and not that simple and that the reason there was a massive settlement that changed the paradigm of civil liability and potentially possibly criminal liability but but for now um that major paradigm shift that just happened I'm not going to shout out any names but but what ma- what matters to me is on what basis that settlement occurred and it was on a basis that was not benign whatsoever in 
in my in my estimation. I have not read all the court documents. I'm just going to take it from a, a mile high view here. But where the complicity lies in my mind is where they talk about, and I'm going to call it marketing manhood. If 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 a weapons manufacturer is preying upon vulnerable, insecure males and selling them a military grade weapon outside of a a military context and that just by owning that that gives them their man card back or something of that nature I'm not quoting any anything specific but if that is the approach that's being taken in a sort of predatory manner you're going to reap what you sow and that's going to be and and there there will be hell to pay uh, and that's what I think we're we're starting to see and that makes me very very upset and very um it feels very dishonoring and very and, and, and very much a disgrace to the people who wanted to say who wanted to stand up for or be very much um on the side of of a, of a more neutral industry that's just creating the tool that can be used for 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 good or evil but the tool is neutral that starts to lose um it's that neutrality is eroded by predatory marketing that that can really be culpable in that sense and whether that's that's the whole industry or it's one company or whatever it is i think that is a an issue to be addressed and If I were to be asked what the solution is, I would say what's missing from these lost souls, in addition to the bullying, to whatever broken home, genetic mental health issues whatever that whatever is going on idiosyncratically in the mind and in the life of the active shooter male there's to me one common denominator that's lacking which is a military mindset and a tactical discipline that would come from being through um being through weapons training that is going to teach them the at least the basics of having respect for having respect for weapons and having respect for life 
And I don't know how many, statistically, how many active shooters have technically had that form of training. I would dare say that it would be at least the majority, the minority, if not the vast minority, that have actually had really um, consistent, disciplined, quality firearms training. And that this is by this is really by analogy what you get. Why you would send your kid to go learn a martial art is so that they have respect for life. They have respect for their own ability to do harm. That their violent urges are moderated by meditation and by mastery of themselves. So they can use violence defensively for themselves and others to understand it very deeply. And most importantly, to be able to express themselves through an art form that is non-destructive. It's actually very creative and it, and it, and it really builds character. So many other things to say about it. So, obviously, as for myself as a martial artist, as a gun owner, as a tactical enthusiast who is at best a... Um, a civilian tactical defender, shall we say. And um, I feel like I feel very confident that the the soul building and the character building that comes from a, the, the kind of training that I've done and that I do is is the kind of inner demon taming that is necessary so that you don't have these erratic violent behaviors in society so to me it comes down to discipline it comes down to taking far more responsibility for the development and the maintenance of the inner masculine of the youth and then by extension the community at large because you know back in my day it was more often that it was just a really fringe wacko dude whose life really fell apart who would have whatever issues and that they really I mean there was something sacred to me back in my day that if you're a young person most likely you're just um, you're full of life you know you're not marginalized to the extent that you feel hatred towards society or that you want to act out in such in such in such manners the, the the fear that I was raised with, that I w saw on Unsolved Mysteries, it was more about, like, men who are marginalized in a failed adult life, whether or not they have cer certifiable mental illness or not, it's like, if the fabric of the family unit just phrase for a man that's when you got to worry about him back in my day you didn't 
have so much of that concern with younger people, there seemed to be just more resilient fabric of culture. And now I feel like that fraying of the masculine has, has just gotten worse and worse to a point where you could, it's almost like it's accelerating faster. The, the, and from a shamanic perspective, obviously, these are all, from a shamanic perspective, these are the most demonic possessed acts that can happen. And therefore, there is a shamanology to how these individuals go from being born in union with the divine light energy of love and then being corrupted through their life experience, which makes them um, fractured and porous and susceptible to demonic infestation of their soul, their chakras, their light body, to where they could become hollowed out and they could become physically possessed and then they could become basically shells to be joy-ridden by entities from the demonic realm. That's the way a shamanic... Um, that's, that's the shamanic analysis of the situation. And any martial arts tradition that teaches young people and specifically young men who are, I believe, often more susceptible to demonic infestation that's where the martial arts master, that's where the splinter to the Teenage Mutant Turtles Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that's what's missing. I mean, call it a cartoon, but that's really as close to really deep martial arts spirituality that uh, that that a lot of people uh, in my generation really got, and 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 it's um, it's very precious. And what that archetype of Splinter and the Turtles represents is that the impulsive nature of coming of age. And, and the, the, the tempering of that with the wisdom of an elder who teaches them how to regulate their nervous system through combative arts and meditation. So again, that's why I say this crisis to me, it's at a deeper level of a culture that is um, negligent towards the development of the sacred masculine through combative arts mastery. And there's a lot of cultures where martial arts is... It's not... It's not an elective. You know, it is the core curriculum of the health of that society of that of that of that nation they understand the risks of not training male aggressive energy and then at a certain level of policy 
I just looked it up, and if I'm if the if the research is correct, there's about 85 nations today that have mandatory conscription for some level of military training or service for some amount of time. And to me, if I had one, if if I if I had political power and I was given an option to say, you have, you have you can do one of two things. Gun, more gun control or mandatory conscription I would say mandatory conscription I would say we actually need to have systematic weapons training for every single young person coming of age in our society as a rite of passage as a as a as a civic duty and as a as a statistical virtu- virtually a statistical guarantee that they will have an evolution spiritually with their responsibility to own and operate weapons in an ethical and appropriate manner and that they will hear the voice of their hopefully divine masculine or divine feminine instructor who would be that splinter to them to their mutant ninja turtle energy so whatever mood that they could be in that would lead them to becoming hostile in a way that would turn into an acting out of of rage against against innocent victims that they wouldn't be in that mindset alone that they would be in that mindset with hopefully real mentors in real life that they could communicate with as a safety net as a preventative mechanism but even in, even when they're provoked at a bar brawl, you know, like that magical sensei appears in the ether to say, no, it's not worth it. Live to fight another day. It's time to, it's time to vacate the premises. Break contact with the enemy. And to me, that's what the, I mean, this is, this is a crisis of, um, of, of cultural parenting and a crisis of um, a lack of of discipline that you would get from a martial arts tradition and from a and from mandatory conscription and that's just one one dimension or that that's just um that's just part of the of the Swiss cheese approach to to eliminating this problem or to addressing this mimetic disease. So how you go about looking young men coming of age in the eye and really assessing their how 
mature their soul development is, their ethical and soul development is. I don't know who can do that other than a martial arts instructor or a fucking drill sergeant. Because if parents and siblings and gang, whatever, the, their buddies at school, the gangs they're in, whatever, if that level of like martial discipline influence is not being built in to everyone, then they become easier and easier prey for for that shadow marketing to come in. And now I want to get into the video game aspect and the desensitization. So simplest way I can address that is to reference, and back in my day, this was all prophesized in the movie Toys with Robin Williams... LL Cool J, Joan Cusack, and others. It was very deeply emotionally imprinting for me. It was very chilling. And what it addressed, if you haven't seen it, and I won't spoil the, the ending, but it is, it is an exploration of where we're going to go <laughs> from that point, whenever that was, maybe early 90s. It was a projection into the future we're in now, where... The evolution of combat simulator gaming technology would lead to a vile distortion of the innocence of childhood and a desensitization of, of a desensitization for violence that from a warlord perversion of martial discipline and the corruption of martial discipline for that to be to weaponize weaponization if you will to abuse the innocence of children and to distort what would otherwise be energy for peace and to and to to corrupt that to become to be weaponized as fodder for the war machine that's that's what that film was pointing to the robbing of the innocence of younger and younger aged children to become um, groomed for the battlefield so I really hope I know that's probably skipped a generation but I really hope I hope that every I would pray that every parent of a slain child from an active shooter situation who finds out that the shooter was was a gamer playing a first person shooter game that they would watch the movie Toys and that would become very central to their, their activism 
and that they would actually, um, I mean, I don't think there is much of a hope of like putting a dent in the profits of first person shooter gaming. And I don't know what kind of politicking is happening around that issue, but I've always found it to be one of the most disturbing trends with with the most obvious outcomes imaginable with desensitization of violence and training for that many hours. I was exposed to it with a very close person in my life and I witnessed the the de-evolution and degradation of character that happens between the sort of groupthink the mentality just the it was the most disgusting male behavior and it leads to the most horrific acts and I have just no um, I have no love for that because it happens in a void of that martial discipline and it is unchecked and it and it is unlimited so I don't know statistically if it's that what percentage of active shooters or you you could attribute some correlation between them being desensitized towards violence uh, through through first person's first person shooter gaming but because it's like so um such a given in the modern in the modern world i would assume that it's i would assume it's the vast majority And I don't know who I don't know what would be yeah I don't I don't I don't know what's an easier political um, angle gun control or video game control I don't I don't know that's not the angle I'm I'm approaching this with I would prefer <laughs> that those gamers would be actually doing real training in their physical bodies getting fit staying fit building real muscle memory and actually being competent defenders and not pissing away their their eyes their minds their bodies their backs into that cesspool that is gaming I'm sorry I'm sorry if you don't like to hear that If I were a parent of a slain child, I would be curious what role that plays. And I hopefully would be informed by that that movie Toys. And I would probably want to unplug and disconnect that vector of, of propagation of this kind of meme.
a few more thoughts on this um, very distorted weaponization of childhood innocence through violent video games. To me, it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre how... How many guns, weapons, combat, simulated scenarios, cartoons, comic books, video games, movies, etc. How inundated a child's mind is, as was mine, with projectile weapons. And the, the ratio of this surreal, violent desensitization to it's an an excess of this surreal violent desensitization and a deficiency in real world tactical preparedness and what I mean by that is that okay if I start out with a cap gun or a squirt gun and then a cap gun and then a BB gun and then a 22 rifle and then evolve from there into my for my man card or whatever from a backwoods sort of um, classical Americana rural perspective in a healthy family unit traditionally a boy would be hunting with his um, with with other members of his family hunting fishing etc and that gun ownership gun handling muzzle discipline the rules of safe firearm handling would be ingrained from an early age and that's the sort of um that sacred masculine training that I think that is the, that to some extent that's that that form of Americana is equivalent to the Asian martial arts in terms of um, gun culture, something wholesome there. That was absent from my life as a latchkey kid, broken home, and it was something that I, I really missed out on and I was really envious of, and so. I'm a, I'm honoring and applauding those who who maintain those traditions, who are the law-abiding gun owners, etc. And I would hope that that those individuals who are the the sort of tactical elders. Um, taking responsibility for the development, the tactical firearm development of, um, of a young man, that they would be have, making an art form out of that continuum from the, the surreal video games, cartoons, comics, movies, whatever, that that, that continuum as it become as, as that continuum... Um, goes into the gradient of the real world that their their understanding 
those age-appropriate initiations of when when a child is ready to be to graduate from a BB gun to handling a real firearm, etc. Um, so the, again, this is more of that wholesome fabric of Americana. I think is what I would be looking at as as lacking, um, or that that needs to be. It needs to be strengthened. If your soul is well-loved and well-maintained by other well-loved and well-maintained souls, you will not become a vector harboring the demons that would possess one into these demonic acts. So again, someone is asleep on their job of the development of these vessels, what they become, hollowed out shells. There is a lack of vigilance and the way I see it, from a shamanic perspective, every human being is a demon joyride, murder-suicide waiting to happen. And it takes a lot of love, it takes a lot of care, it takes a lot of attention, to build up the, the psychic, spiritual, energetic defenses that allow the innocence of a child to flourish and to be robust and hardened against all kinds of demonic contagions, influences. And what, this is the, the perfect storm because you have... A cultural weakening of that vigilance of that fabric and then you have the vectors of marketing and video games and peer pressure and just the sludge of internet infiltration which is energetically it is propagating those demonic memes so This is a, this is a crisis for sure on a lot of levels and one restrictive policy does not it's just it doesn't address the deeper issues so Now I want to get into the fun part if if um if it's possible to have a lighter more creative more less at least a little bit less dark this is where the this is the light at the end of the tunnel is that yeah you can never go wrong with more divine masculine guidance for young men you can never go wrong with more martial discipline with young men and you can always hope that more of those things are going to create stronger shields psychic immune systems to prevent 
more of these um, of these of these episodes of possession. So that is that's part of the light at the end of the tunnel is that there is, is that there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of room to grow in those areas. Now taking this further to what I feel like is my wheelhouse of developing tactical permaculture is the idea that okay, well, we while we're doing everything we can to prevent this from happening, we also have to understand that there's still a lot of people out there now who lack those resources and so therefore at this moment this meme is gestating in the minds of countless youth across the u.s and beyond and literally you would have to imagine that on a sort of psychic level a spiritual level shamanic level This this meme just got vastly multiplied. Now, weakened, susceptible, possessible, young male minds who had not been thinking of this, who were not infiltrated by this mimetic thought form, now they're that now they're receptive to something that's being propagated and that makes the 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 um the frequency of this or the um the distribution of this meme sequence this like demonic payload is now being installed more than ever before. And therefore, where it is able to take hold and grow and manifest, those thought forms, those plots are being consciously and subconsciously developed in the minds of those susceptible individuals right now. And all the love in the world and all of the martial discipline and all that it's it's going to be too little too late now so that means from a tactical defensive perspective it's like those missiles are already in the air you may not see them but they're in motion and so the only thing you can do To mitigate against this untraceable stealth attack vector is to fortify your position. And if we're talking about retrofitting a school campus to be hardened against active shooters that's where I'm going to take the rest of this discussion because to me this is the 
impetus for implementing what I have been talking about for a long time. So I'm not trying to opportunistically leverage this news cycle to shill my agenda. I'm just doing what I do. I am being the change I want to see in the world myself. I'm implementing tactical permaculture strategies for my own safety, my own survival, the integrity of my own project. And I also have the background that I have, which is school garden design and installation. It is co-parenting, teaching permaculture to youth. That's all part of my background. So when I say from school gardens to garden schools, that is something I have been working on with a lot of people for a very long time. And it is to radically alter the paradigm of what the learning environment is. And from an ancestral perspective, our brains, our minds, our cultures, our societies, our languages, our arts, our sciences, our crafts, they all emerged from total 100% immersion into wild nature. Not from buildings, not from on top of the tarmac, not from a chalkboard, not from sitting in a seat. Every facet of human intelligence and human development was evolved from within that natural context and that every child, every human being born, every newborn is expecting to be born into into an eco-village in the wilderness of some environment, some biome of the earth. They're not expecting to be in a synthetic environment with a bunch of carcinogenic plastics and petroleum-based synthetic toys and clothes and bottles and environments and vehicles and buildings. So I want to if you're not already very ecologically radical and if you're listening to this and you have never ever ever once questioned the the sensibility of the um, status quo school system public schools, 
then you're in for a treat because I'm going to share some, some radical ecological critiques of that system right now. And that, that these critiques come from real-world experience that I have. Building edible classrooms where the garden is the classroom. Because nature is what the real... Nature is the real teacher. Everything you, you could want to learn from any... any area, any subject within a standard curriculum can be extrapolated from the lessons that you that you can learn in the garden. So, yeah, I mean, it's not to me. I come from a movement of people to where they figured that this was not that radical. It was sensible. It was healthy. And they started to critique sitting in chairs all day, started to critique the drugging of children for hyperactivity. You have children being filled with sugar, asked to sit still, being drugged with amphetamines so that they can be in a sterile and carcinogenic environment, straining their eyes and their ears and their attention span in this very distorted bastardization of learning that has nothing to do with how we evolved to actually be. And so there's... That's why I say it's not that radical because there's a lot of schools now where they're outdoor schools. Like, not just... Not a week of outdoor school. They're outdoor schools. Permaculture schools where the whole curriculum occurs outside... And they're dressed appropriately. They've got their outdoor kitchens. They do everything outside. They learn everything outside. All the lessons are derived from nature and from the garden. And that's how they develop. And really, lo and behold, teachers, kids, parents, everybody gets an A+. Because everything Lo and behold, it actually, it was like it was meant to be. And it really starkly puts into contrast how robotic and mechanized and and just monstrous that standard paradigm that that we were all raised in, it really is. It's, It's basically, it's like a penal colony. And there are schools that, the same contractors that build the schools, it's like, I was told by, in my old high school punk band, they said, they told me that their high school, my bandmates, they went to a different high school, and they said, uh, they said, yeah, they were building a prison, and then halfway through construction, they realized it would be cheaper. Basically, it was like the template of the school versus a prison. It was so close. It basically was the same thing. I mean, that's a little bit anecdotal, but you get the point. They look like prisons. They feel like prisons. The the way that they've systematized pushing human souls through that experience in an efficient way, it's very much like a conveyor belt. I mean, it's dehumanizing. 
and it is um I could never say enough on on the um on how much of a of a, how what, what the the natural abuse that that is the abuse of the birthright to be learning in nature that 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 the whole system is so that would make me an ecological radical most people are not ready for that right now and most people in this moment of questioning the public school system are not thinking like we need to go 100% all the way back to our primitive ancestors and do school in the wild in the garden that's not their first thought but it is the job of permaculture designers like me to help people reintegrate with the wilderness that is undefeatable it is all around us and and we need to design intelligently and welcome it back into our lives into our immune system into our gut flora into our spiritual and psychological development destroying nature marginalizing nature and putting our self in cubicle prisons and our children in school prisons that leads to bad outcomes for our health, for our our medical and and mental health and what and and what and now you're seeing the worst of the fruits of that mis- of those misadventures So that idea of going from the tokenistic school garden where it's like, hey, look, you know, we, we, we put a couple garden beds on top of the, the tarmac and, you know, some of the kids have a bit of a curriculum about organic gardening and some of them stick with it and, and really maintain it and, and or it just gets turns to dust and turns and goes to weeds. I've seen I've seen both. I've seen well maintained school gardens. I've seen total wasteland school gardens. A full a fully mature permaculture understanding would be this can't just be some tiny little fraction of the site. Actually, it's the inverse proportion. The the the. The human footprint should actually be dwarfed relative to the food forest that you build, the forest gardening system that you that you install, and then the 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 built environment becomes the grown environment. Doesn't happen overnight. It's not going to be. Um, an easy sell for Department of Education to um, relocate all classes into uh, into a forest garden overnight. That's not realistic, but it is a continuum, and that continuum of going from school garden to garden school, that's... That's the mission and the tactical permaculture dimension to it now more than ever is how do you how do you make that transition 
and have it build, have security built in to that transition by design. So this is where it does get very interesting. And for me, this is the light at the end of the tunnel because everybody consciously and or subconsciously or, or consciously now is thinking, how can this be prevented? How can you prevent this from ever happening again? And some some solutions are are speculative and they could take a very long time to prove out whether that whether whether a policy is effective or not there is no silver bullet no pun intended to solve this issue so so whereas a traditional tactical perspective would say we need we need to install traditional physical security features at every public school site. So fencing around, tall fencing around the perimeter, video camera, 24-hour surveillance that's monitored by real security personnel who are armed and trained that are able to have real-time surveillance monitoring of every angle of every entry point, obviously higher level, uh, sophisticated screening of the personnel entering the building, and a far more sophisticated and far more robust actual physical security team on the site of every campus. That would just be um, that's obvious that if you want to harden a soft target school campus site that you would have to allocate funding for those features and then you would have to hope that some percentage of a deterrence factor would solve the problem of them being a soft target. Now they're no longer a soft target, now they're a hard target. It would be far more difficult, it would require far more planning and cunning and ingenuity to bypass those security controls and then you were going to you would be contending with a, a, a far more tactically advantageous and and prepared security force personnel who would be able to defend the precious resource that is our future that is the next generation of children who are who should be free to, to thrive in a, in a state of innocence and they should be protected by the mature adults within their community who value their lives and who allocate the material and financial resources to adequately protect them against all possible threats. 
And it is to me, it's the most heartbreaking thing to me is that a child would 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 be would, the child would be humiliated and dehumanized and abused and tortured and tormented with the thought that it's ever going to be their responsibility to act out some active shooter drill, because that is a failure at a far further zone out from where they should ever have to be responsible to think about. That to me is unacceptable, heartbreaking, and I'm, I'm calling time out, and I'm not the only one who's blowing the whistle on this. Negligence. That's unacceptable to me. And I'm not even a parent. And I cannot imagine how I would feel if I was a parent. I can't imagine being a parent with a child who is going to say what they learned in school today was how to hide from an active shooter. It's not that I would want them to be so sheltered that they wouldn't know that there are threats that exist of evil people in the world to do evil things. But I would love for them to say something like, Oh, today... I was playing with the the security perimeter detection dogs that are a line of defense for my safety so that I don't have to I will never have to hide because no one will ever get through that multi-layered defensible perimeter So I'll get I'll get into some of those design concepts here in a minute, but that's that's an emotional point I wanted to make. Going back to this this critique of like I don't take for granted anything about the modern status quo business as usual school system school design, template, architecture, none of it. To me, it is a form of centralization. And of course, it it, it, it compels adults, uh, parents of children, to outsource the security and the first response of their most precious the most precious beings in their in their whole world that's a lot of trust and they're putting it into a system which by design is tactically disadvantageous and a magnet for evil the way that it's designed it's as if it was designed in a vacuum of evil where evil is just willed out of existence and Interestingly enough, back in my day as a child, I lived in a very carefree generation. And I think a lot of that had to do with being pre-internet or pre-high-speed internet and all the corruption and demonic meme-festering propagation that's happened since then. And all of the violent video games. 
and then all of the predatory weapons marketing, etc. But there was an innocent, there was an innocence to my generation to where, yeah, you could feel safe. School playgrounds were open to the public. A school was more like a park anyway. And there were very minimal security controls and very little um, vetting. And I went to school in the inner city and uh, in the suburbs as well. So I had experience of both. So it's not fair to say, oh, I just was, that's, that's just your experience being a, a white boy from the burbs. Well, no, I did go to inner city schools. I've lived in small towns, I've lived in big towns, etc., etc. But my personal anecdotal experience is not really what matters at the end of the day. What, what matters is acknowledging that there has been a major shift from one generation to the next in the amount of evil that is propagating in the newosphere, if you will, or just in the souls and the minds and the energy bodies of 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 this very broken and trauma- traumatized and very corrupted last generation and a half ish since a lot of very negative energy has been propagated by a lot of negative memes propagated mainly through the internet. So that's the only vector that I can see. I don't believe that um, it's just because it's the end times or that there's some sort of I don't I don't believe I believe that if that if the internet or that if high speed internet would have taken another couple of decades to to develop, then we would have had that many more years of very relatively innocent times. I think uh, so for me, you know, I can't prove it. I'm not an expert. I'm not citing a million studies. I'm just saying intuitively, for me, my estimation is that my night and day radically different, totally carefree and totally free and open and unsecured childhood was a factor of there not being high-speed internet and all of the evil that's been propagated through it since it really started taking off. And all of the deformation of character that it has really accelerated. What, yeah, because whatever menacing, bad, apple sort of vibes people, just dangerous people, whatever whatever percentage of the population that was, it is definitely more than doubled, it seems, in the last, since the internet has gotten up to full speed. So I digress on that point. But back to this idea. So I kind of laid out what would be a bare minimum implementation of multi-tiered physical security controls on a campus site where... In some places, that's already that's already the norm. It's already a standard. In some places, it's way behind in that regard, and it would feel very like what are you trying to turn this into the U.S. Mexico border? You're trying to militarize the, and fortify this 
rural school. Well, unfortunately, no, I don't think that you can. I don't think that you can justify not implementing a level of fortification and those security controls. And one of my mentors who has uh, a lot of experience in homeland security and um, and battlefield um, experience, a point that he made was that, um, you know, look at all of the federal, look at the standard procedures for securing any federal facility in the United States. Why will we not be implementing those security controls for 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 schools and I think that that makes a lot of sense and it, and it will it, it, it will be sad to see the um, physical visible sort of um, undeniable hardscaping of the, the the it's almost like that when you put those security controls in place, then you have to admit that the world has become more evil than your childhood if you're my age or your grandparents if you're younger or whatever. That that is a no longer can we be having this sort of cognitive dissonance whistling past the graveyard about the reality that evil is compounding and whatever weaponry they ha- it has available to it, it's, you cannot tempt it with soft targets anymore especially if you're going to pull innocent vulnerable practically defenseless children out of their homes and centralize them into one place where they become a centralized target so if you're going to centralize those precious, vulnerable, defenseless souls, you better enhance that, those security controls around, around that social contract. Given this variable, which is ever-increasing, looming threats of, of evil manifesting in violence, through mostly young men and unfortunately mostly through firearms and I say unfortunately because it gives firearms a bad name and every firearm should be handled by a, by an individual with martial discipline And every time a firearm is handled by an individual without martial discipline, it, it, any conduct of that, even just <laughs> where they put their finger, whether they're letting their finger hang out in that trigger guard, whether they're pointing it around, not maintaining awareness of what's in their background and, and, and adhering to the basic principles that you would get from training. So, no matter what, that's unfortunate for firearms to be misused. 
and that makes it almost an easy scapegoat to bypass the deeper responsibility. So, yes, please, please mobilize, organize to put pressure on your school district to implement at least those listed security controls. But I want to take it a far more interesting direction with a permaculture design. So when I think about adapting those sort of um, those very standardized security controls and adapting them with with an ecological mindset I think about well I would like to imagine a, a permaculture design approach would be let's not just Let's take a step back and let's look at the, let's take a principles-based approach to this. Meaning, what is the, what is the deeper core issue that's, that, that's being attempted to, to be mitigated here? And, so the the question this is not is there a fence or not it's what is the what in a system design what duty is the fence responsible for what role is it fulfilling in this system design because maybe a fence as we know it a chain link fence is is the appropriate um, design element for that location on the site, or maybe, maybe it can be adapted in some way. So I like the idea. The first thing that came to my mind when I thought about when I tried to put myself in the shoes and really meditate on how it would feel to be a parent. Let's say you had a child that was killed or injured and another child that that survived and that they're going to and that you don't have the means to just bug out and and hit the hills and 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 go back to the land and start homesteading and homeschooling that you have to go back to work, that you have to keep grinding, and that your surviving child is going to go back to that same school the next day or week or whatever, and virtually nothing will change. And the problem is actually worse because now the meme has gotten that much more propagated within the culture, so there's more people thinking about doing the same thing. 
so you would feel even less secure. When I meditate on how that parent might feel, and I have my permaculture and tactical permaculture design thinking hat on while I'm feeling into that soul, the first image that came to my mind is like, okay, I'm getting out that phone tree or whatever it is that they use now and whatever other concerned parents and faculty in that school district can be rallied I want to go through systematically and find out who the contractors are the general contractors who's got the heavy equipment training and the heavy equipment rental um, lots and and I want to talk to whatever the mayor or the zoning department whoever and I want to say we're going to go and take a brigade of heavy equipment operators and we're going to bulldoze a moat around that site and I don't care if people are going to have to walk a few extra minutes and not just pull right up to the front door we're going to we're going to install a moat and we're going to make a defensible area and we're going to make a fortress out of that school starting with digging out a moat that can be made into a chinampa aquaculture system school garden to grow food for the cafeteria be a place of science and learning of ecological economics a source of inspiration for literature and poetry etc etc go from school garden to garden school and encircle that facility with a functioning Chinampa aquaculture moat and have the excavated material the excavated fill dirt form a berm, a circular berm that creates a tactical barrier of line of sight firearm projectile uh, angles of fire. So, and if it would, so imagine a um, however many feet, say a good six to ten feet of a of a donut mound. So now you have the school uh, building facility in the in the center of a of a uh, of a circle, and that circle has the uh, on the in the inner. Um, or let's just say, imagine imagine two concentric circles surrounding that school building, and the inner circle is the is the moat, the circular 
pond moat and the outer circle is that excavated fill dirt with basically what what you what was dug out to make that indented um, circular pond and that creates that berm wall and that creates a privacy visibility barrier and no one could no one could walk up and shoot through that berm basically so right now imagine all of the schools to where you have to worry about not only not only an active shooter getting inside the building and inside the classrooms but if there is no only a chain link fence a chain link fence does not stop bullets from beyond that chain link fi- fence so every uh, every all of the activities and movements in and out of the building and in and out of recess and outdoor activities they're all subject to ballistic firearms at at that line of sight unless there is a physical barrier so there's nothing better than a dirt berm for that tactical purpose and what's even better is that if you bury some logs and branches in the core of that dirt berm you get what's called hugel culture and that becomes a very water-wise growing system So you don't just have this dead, barren, ugly dirt berm. You now have the the growing system to create a veritable, edible jungle, which would be beautiful from the outside. And you can plant the edge, the outer edge of that culture mound berm, with all kinds of thorned vegetation so that you don't have to invoke images of war zones with razor wire on chain link fence, you could have the tactical equivalent that's actually regenerative edible self-healing and beautiful and fragrant and you could have raspberries blackberries providing a tactical security perimeter and if you want to have a a drawbridge knock yourself out now Getting um, getting buy-in from the community to retrofit a school facility with a tactical permaculture design, like I just mentioned, as just the starting point. A hugel culture berm outer ring perimeter with a with an aquaculture chinampa moat on the inner circle of that with a drawbridge connecting it to the outside world and that outer point is where you would have the military grade security controls for 
authorized access, searching, dogs trained to detect all signatures of weapons of all kinds. Another thing I think about is like, just the child psychology of, I mean, it can't, it can't get much worse than market, the marketing of child size body armor and the teaching of children of what to do if an active shooter breaches their classroom and they have to do that drilling. I don't, I don't know how much, I can't imagine it getting much worse than that as far as like, I mean, you know, back in my day and before there was the, uh, the, um, drills for for world war three drills for the bomb you know so you had to there was some existential tragedy of child development around those sorts of threats um but there is a twisted dimension beyond a fire drill and an earthquake drill when you get into the idea of like having to having to reconcile and a, a child's mind having to reconcile that that's the world they live in where 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 these events are even conceivable so if we're already at that point of it being that bad when i think about the equivalent of like what it takes to get into a military base that you have that experience on your way into and out of school every day that doesn't seem that invasive or that traumatizing relative to the absence of that security control and and the level of terror that is a child having to feel like there's nothing protecting them except for hiding in a closet and no no I think it would be very healthy very understandable and very appropriate for a child development to see trained dogs uniformed officers and military style checkpoint authentication and and verification happening it's, again especially if you're centralizing no it just doesn't I can't I can't I can't believe it's been as um, negligent as, as it has been and now we're seeing obviously the, the, those those worst outcomes so point being oh yeah the point I want to make is that we're the mill in the United States it feels like unless you grow up on a base or near a base the whole military 
infrastructure is very abstracted away from your daily life. You might go to a parade or see an air show, certainly watch movies and whatnot. But day to day, I feel like the average person, unless they, like I said, unless they're, you know, unless they're in the military or live near a base or work on a base, etc., the close they're going to get to seeing anything U.S. military-like is going to be seeing once in a while some camo trucks drive down the freeway or something. Other than that, it's totally abstracted away. Yet, that the yet the this sort of almost invisible layer of security it surrounds our coastlines, it surrounds the borders, it's in the air. And it's tucked away on bases and in even more top secret locations and whatnot. It's pretty well, well um, tucked away in the fabric of society, but it's there, and we don't hide that from children's eyes. So I don't think it's like the end of the world to um, to basically bring that because a school should be a microcosm of the nation it should have a militarized perimeter just like the united just like the nation has it has a militarized perimeter there are security controls in place so i think it's a healthy part of the development of a child to realize they go to school that school facility is basically a micro fractal of how the whole nation works there's a there there is a there are armed personnel with all the tools technology training and and backing they need for to maintain a 100% impenetrable barrier. So the global war on terror, when that is applied to the domestic terrorism that active shooters are, it behooves us to spend some of that defense budget on on militarizing the security perimeters of of schools that to me that, that I don't see I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what kind of political willpower it takes to make that connect those dots but it seems like um that will be far more appropriate far more realistic and far more sensible than just hoping that stricter gun laws are going to make much of a difference because to me there is no like this to me and I would imagine to any parent who's any real parent who is surviving this they would have to say no the age the age of blind ignorance the blissful ignorance that age is over 
and we need to the only way to ensure this never happens again is either to shut down the schools completely and and have just mandatory homeschooling period no more public schools because we can't secure them or implement security that is orders of magnitude more robust and sophisticated than it than it is for most places uh most locations most campuses so where i think it gets a lot more interesting again is with this idea of yeah we know how to build and secure a forward operating base in the field in downrange in the battlefield is it the most aesthetically pleasing thing in the world probably not is there are there ways to make it more beautiful make it more feminine make it more um down to earth uh as a matter of fact yes there are and as a matter of fact there's a lot of interplay between security controls and tactical permaculture design and in tandem or intermeshed all of the highest technology military grade security controls with the most ecologically advanced and ecologically um rich and 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 most aesthetically pleasing and beautiful elements of of permaculture design it could almost make the unsightliness be camouflaged in beautiful nature and 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 enhance its function as a deterrent and as a security control a multi-layered multi-dimensional security control that only that has compounding health compounding medical and and nutritional and mental health spiritual health ecological health and really start healing souls and really immunizing those vulnerable young men and giving them something sacred to defend and let that warrior energy develop properly they learn to guard the garden and they i mean to me that is that will be a very redemptive outcome and when i think about that prospect for youth and because i have been instrumental in funding and providing infrastructure and facilitating that transformation from at risk youth with drug problems and broken homes and they they had one foot in the grave either they're going to jail or going to be dead they got no future they're dropping out failing i have met their parents who came to me and said i saw my son or daughter in the community garden working with you and your collective and your organization and i've never seen them do anything creative and constructive before ever and in their whole life and i thank you so much
I have countless experiences with parents of troubled, at-risk youth who look me in the eye, shake my hand, and say they cannot believe the transformation. That's being set up for success. That is a path of emotional resilience. The soil will disinfect the demons. The soil will absorb the trauma. And it will produce these yields of... They will heal that sense of nobodiness because... As a gardener, when you take responsibility for the life of infinite, beautiful, majestic life forms that you're stewarding in the garden that you maintain, that is so filled with beauty and magic, and then you become one with it by consuming it and propagating it, that is... That is the ultimate security parameter around the inner core of an individual. And that sense of importance and connectedness doesn't come from a video game. It doesn't come from buying a semi-automatic weapon. I would love to think that you would earn that semi-automatic weapon after you have built your soul in that garden and now you're old enough to be a defender of it and that's martial discipline that's the evolution of a, of a, of a national security defensive warrior who learns those ethics at the microcosm level in the, in the school that they thrive in spiritually, ecologically, intellectually, mentally, and that that vision, because it's not utopian. I have been there. I've done it. I have, again, countless experiences of witnessing that transformation of very emptied out, very hollowed out, drug addicted, totally nihilistic, problem child teens, and facilitating that transformation where they get switched on and that garden becomes a part of them and it changes their life forever and they will They will go on to conduct deeds of untold benevolence from that anchoring with their heart into the soil. And I'm proud of that. And whatever the schools are designed to teach whatever they're producing in terms of the 
generation of youth that they're cranking out into the system, into the workforce. Well, they're missing out by not having a permaculture um, curriculum. And if you don't like that word, it's, for one, it's basically open source technology. There's very few restrictions on it. It's not like um, a highly controlled, proprietary, closed source, black box of intellectual property. Anyone can talk about permaculture. It's not trademarked in that sense. To be in compliance with the founder's rules... You are not to sell permaculture as a business entity unless you have earned a 72-hour permaculture design course certificate. Certificate, which I believe every, I mean every child, every high school graduate should be first aid trained, and I would love for them all to be permaculture certified at graduation so that they can go start permaculture businesses of all the other hoops that 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 you're forced to jump through of all the other acronyms and all the stuff that you're never even going to remember that really doesn't serve you in life i mean whoever designs the curriculums that's they have a lot of power and you know i'm just trying to mitigate yeah okay is permaculture panacea i think it is is permaculture a design system for sustainable human development that should be baked into all public policy and all codes of civil engineering and everything yes i do because i'm I'm deeply embedded in the movement. But from an outside perspective, do your own research. And if there's something that's more suitable to your sensibilities, then go for it. Really what it comes down to is you can go study ecology and you can you can try to throw together some methodology some framework to apply ecology to your life to your to your to your um, architecture to your to, to the design of of the systems that operate in your life you could do that and then you wouldn't need permaculture or you could save yourself some time and you could stand on the backs of giants who did a lot of that work to build frameworks for the application of ecology into human systems design for sustainable developments, for all facets of what humans engineer. And you would save yourself a lot of time and you could really get train in the fundamentals within a a two-week course or spend 72 hours to get the certificate and so yeah i'm here 
being the change I want to see in the world. And I'm here to be one of the permaculture designers who is um, who is not in denial about the need for having a very strong spine <laughs> in terms of garden guarding the garden and a, and a tactical defensive sensibility around you want to be sustainable you're going to have to fight for what you for, you're going to have to fight and fight for and defend the abundance that you produce in your garden in your community within the borders of your nation There's no God who is going to let you abdicate the responsibility for physical security. And the more that you outsource that, the less control you have, the worse the outcomes are going to be. Because at the end of the day, no one is going to be more protective of you and yours than you are. So, for all of the energy that goes into blaming and pointing fingers and no, the action to me, the the proactive steps to take the for the real stakeholders in a real paradigm shift around active shooters and hardening schools if this isn't just going to be normalized and just get washed away with the news cycle if this really is a moment of dramatic pivoting and a real paradigm shift It's like for every every drop of energy that goes into trying to stop gun sales, put double that amount of energy into shovel into more shovel sales, more seed sales, like really build back the ecological security, ecological integrity of the people of this nation. Because no matter what, you just can't have these, uh, you can't solve this problem of empty souls without filling the souls with something wholesome. There's plenty of psychotic mass knifing attacks that happen in public, in schools. I read about them. 
just don't I hope the people that would don't don't cop out on that one dimension That's just the symptom. And I will not go into my feelings about gun control at at this moment. Because I don't know who I will be alienating by sharing what my what my leanings are uh, in that, in that regard it's really not necessary because in this for this matter it's solving the crisis is going to happen at a much deeper level and that is just the uh, the gun the gun policy to me that's very much um very much just a symptom and I would hope if anything in that regard that uh, that there wouldn't be troubled souls for gun companies manufacturers to market to to try to sell them their manhood it's like there shouldn't be easy prey for that sort of marketing and that's what I want to help people work on just be constructive and creative and and regenerative in design.